Hey guys, again, my name is Daryl. For those of you guys that are new here, I'm the student pastor here at Cross Life. Uh, we're just excited that you're hanging out with us. Again, if it's your first time, I hope you filled out a card for us so that we can follow up with you and do what we can to try and get you connected in here, not just here on Sunday nights, but also on Sunday mornings in our small groups because that's where a lot of our connections uh, really take place and we start to develop more relationships and friendships there. So I uh, just want to encourage you to be a part of that. All right, tonight we are continuing our series that we started a couple weeks ago called Pursuit, Pursuing Healthy Relationships. And if you've been here the last couple weeks, you know uh, that we've really been talking not about like the idea of just like dating and all that kind of stuff. We've talked about relationships as a whole and just having healthy relationships, whether it be relationships with our families, relationships with our friends. And then next week, come on back, we're going to talk about our relationship with the world and what that's supposed to look like as Christians and as the body of believers. So, uh, but tonight... We have a guest speaker that I invited to come share with us, um, and he is going to continue in this series for us. He's going to continue uh, talking about relationships, and uh, hopefully you guys will give him attentive ear. Uh, fun fact, uh, I used to be Wesley's uh, middle school pastor back in the day, um, a long time ago. Um, I am really old. I'm knocking on the door of 40, so, and Wes, you're 28? 18, that's right, I forgot. Yeah, he's 18. Yep. So yeah. So we are. Uh, we're we're excited to have him share with us. He's in town. Him and his wife and little baby girl are in town visiting. So uh, we invited him to come and share with us. Um, and he is all the way from Anchorage, Alaska, as well. So uh, and he's actually the coolest part about his story is you know. So he was uh, he was a punk middle schooler. Can I say that? Like, are you gonna are you gonna share any of that part of your story? No, no. He was a punk middle schooler. Like, you know, there's the middle school student that like. If they left the church, you weren't really upset about it. It was one of those deals. But, like, he, he was that kid. And then God got a hold of him during high school, and it's just been really cool to see transformation take place in his life. Um, and he's been serving as a student pastor for many years now, uh, which is just encouraging to me as a youth pastor. So uh, I just want to welcome Wesley up. Come on up, Wesley Arnes. Uh, he's going to share with us. Give him a round of applause. Give him your ear. And, oh, uh, Wes, you. they're all yours, man. Thanks. Round of applause for Daryl, everybody. Way to go. You big, tall goofball. Isn't it obnoxious how tall he is? Like, why is he so tall? He doesn't play basketball. Like, what do you, you're just there just to reach the top shelf for your wife. Like, come on now. Good evening, everybody. How are we doing? You doing good? Are you, though? Is it, like, too late? Like, should we all just go to bed? Like, yeah, okay. Well, like uh, Pastor Daryl said, my name is Wesley Arnest. I come all the way from Anchorage, Alaska. So that's why I'm very pasty white. Me and the sun don't get along. You know, part of my morning routine is sunscreen every single day. Cloudy, it doesn't matter because me and the sun, well, we just have a love-hate relationship, okay? That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, like Daryl said, I've been a youth pastor now for almost seven years, um, middle school and high school, and I was born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, I met my wife down in Washington State. Taylor is not here tonight because she is back at the hotel with our, um, our daughter, Ellie. She is dealing with some allergies, and she's just a hot mess of snot and tears, and it is just, it's kind of gross, if I'm being honest with you. Like, it's all over the place. Like, if you see something on me, like, just let me know later, okay? Because I'm not sure what else she wiped on me, just to be honest. And uh, so they're back at the hotel right now. And I met Taylor down in Washington State. I was down there uh, playing basketball at a junior college, and that was her hometown. And um, I'll tell you a little bit more about uh, how we met a little bit later. But uh, long story short, we made our way back to Alaska, where we've been in youth ministry um, since 2015. Um, it was probably about 2014. Taylor and I, we went uh, uh, commercial fishing. Have any of you guys ever seen the show The Deadliest Catch? Any of you guys ever? 
few of you. How many of you haven't seen it, but you kind of have an idea of what it, what it is? Okay, so a couple of you. So I've been commercial fishing um, for 10 seasons, and up in Alaska, that's usually in the summertime, right at the end of June, beginning of July. And uh, we, we do some crazy stuff out there other than just catching hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds of fish. Like, it is just absurd how much fish we catch. And, uh, you know, this one year, I mean, this is how, the story is about how I just knew Taylor was the woman for me. Now, we'd been married for, for about a year, so I, I technically already knew she was the woman for me. But this, this was like the stamp that just like absolutely sealed it. Um, we were dealing with uh, these handful of, of brown bears that kept getting into our trash every single night. So as you can imagine, um, I wasn't actually on a giant boat like the deadliest catch out in the middle of nowhere, but actually we were on, if you can imagine, a, a beach in the middle of nowhere. No cell service. It was torture. Talk about unplugging from society. And so we're on this beach in the middle of nowhere, and we have what are called set nets. So you, you anchor the net to the, to the beach, and you cast it out kind of into the water, and as the tide comes and goes, you catch all your fish. Well, in the downtime, we still do, I mean, whatever we want to. We blow stuff up, we shoot some guns, we burn some trash, you know, just no, normal everyday stuff that you guys probably do here. No, you guys, you guys don't do that kind of? Okay, never mind. Well, anyways, we don't really have a, a place to dump all the trash, so we just pile it up until it gets too much, and then we uh, take it down the beach and we, and we burn it, okay? And uh, the, this particular year, for whatever reason, we hadn't had a chance to actually go down and burn all the trash, and so it got into a really big pile, and so these bears, it was these, these three, they must have been triplets or siblings because they were like tag teaming this whole ordeal. Like it, there was a strategy to this. And one would usually be munching on the trash while the other two were on lookout because we would never know like when they were there. You would just come around the corner of these shacks that we call cabins and these bears would just be there eating the trash and it would, it would scare usually a fart out of you. Like it was startling, okay, if I'm being honest. And it, it, it kept getting to be worse of a problem, and it was almost kind of dangerous. Anyways, we decided that, for safety reasons, we're going to put all the trash in the middle of camp. It's kind of like a big old intersection. We've got the boss's cabin over here. we got some over here. we got the cookout. So like, there's like this cul-de-sac that's kind of like the, the middle part of camp, so that way you'd be able to see the bears. Anyways, one night, um, I'm up at a friend's cabin. You know, we just got done working a long shift, and we're just, we're just talking then we start to hear like some, some rustling in the trash cans. You know, like sometimes the middle schoolers, they see something good in the trash can, they're just like, oh, what's, what's still in there? The bears are going through the trash, and they're starting to, to munch on it a little bit. And we can see one of them from where we are in our cabin. So one guy grabs a shotgun. We run down, and as soon as we get from about me to you, um, one of the bears sees us. And they all turn their heads and look at us. So I'm standing behind this guy, and he's got a 12-gauge shotgun pointed at these bears, and we're waiting to see what they do. In the meantime, I look past the bears because my cabin is behind them, where Taylor is by herself with a shotgun that we had placed in there. Now, I love America. I love guns. So naturally, I painted my 12-gauge shotgun to look like an American flag. Pretty cool, huh? Um, so that's what we had out there. I see Taylor come running out the door to see what's going on. And have you seen that, that, that uh, video where the toddler is kind of running around the corner and then the dad scares him and he goes, <gasps> and he runs away real fast? Like, that's the face Taylor made when she saw these bears. She runs back in, and I kid you not, it must have been two seconds later, she comes whipping out that door, 
12-gauge American flag shotgun, blonde hair, waving in the wind. I think an eagle went across the sun. I heard a Blake Shelton song in the background. I'm like, this, this is my woman. And that's my wife in a very long, exaggerated story. It's all true, though. And um, so that's how I just knew Taylor was um, the girl for me. Also, we got a lot of other things in common. We also like sports. Any of you guys like sports? You guys play any sports? Any basketball players? Any football players? Any swimmers? I know you're back there, Tristan. Any wrestlers? A couple of you. Did, did I miss anything? Uh, water polo? Okay. I heard that one this morning. Um, any chess players? Is chess a sport? Chess isn't a sport, is it? Is chess a sport? <laughs> I got a thumbs up back there. Am I missing anything? Um, cheerleading isn't a sport, so I'm not going to go there. Um, I just made some enemies right there at Bassadero. I just saw some girls roll their eyes back so hard, I'm not sure if they're going to roll back forward. Um, Taylor and I, we, we, we love playing sports. We love basketball. Um, I grew up playing football, track and field, baseball, just a little bit of everything. And, um, you know, I, I was sitting at the hotel um, this morning eating breakfast, and, you know, there was, a, there was a, a highlights going on the screen. And then later I even watched, a, there was a girls' soccer game going on. I believe it was USA versus, uh, um, I forget what the team they were playing. But it made me think, like, what if all sports were played without running? What if you could only walk in sports? Wouldn't that make things a little bit funnier? Have you seen those videos where people play one-on-one -on -one football and you can only walk, you can't run? Have you seen this? It's hilarious because you just wait for that one slip-up and then you got them. I mean, it's they, down, set, hike, and they're getting this walk going on and they do like a little juke and then like, bam! You guys have seen those, right? Imagine that but with soccer. Can you imagine? What about basketball? Like no running, one foot on the ground at all times. Wrestling? Well, I guess you're already walking, wrestling. You kind of like roll around. That's kind of that's kind of weird. Volleyball, that'd be tough. Volleyball. Huh! You know what I'm saying? That, that, that'd be difficult. Water polo? Well, that's impossible unless you're Jesus because, you know, the whole walking on water thing. So, I mean, but that would make things very difficult, wouldn't it? And they, they wouldn't be that fun either. I mean, the, the, there's a reason why we allow those kinds of things in sports. It makes them, it makes them better. Now, they would be funnier, but they, they, they wouldn't be better. And so maybe you and I don't have much in common because I am from the great north, and maybe you guys were born and raised here. But one thing we do have in common, at least I could assume with, with a high chance of probability of being right, is that every single one of us at one point crawled and then walked and then ran. Studies will actually show that if you walk before you can crawl, you will actually um, more likely to have development problems. And so I, I could make a, a strong guess that every single one of us at what point learned to walk before we actually ran. Um, because I have no idea who you guys are, um, I, I kind of want to just get to know you for a second. Could everyone just put, their, put your heads down, um, close your eyes? No one looking around. I, I, I just need to get to know you for a second. Just raise your hands. How many of you would say that you are a follower of Christ? Okay, put your hands down. How many of you still live in a house where your mom and dad are still married? Okay. Last one. How many of you would say that your parents' marriage 
is one that you want to have when you get married? Praise the Lord. Uh, you, you, guys, you guys can look up. You see, when it comes to relational success, it's no different than, I mean, a lot of areas in life. When it comes to finances, when it comes to career, success in life takes time. And if we want to have healthy relationships, if we want to succeed in the relationships that we wish to have, well, really, we need to not jump the gun. We need to learn to walk before we can run. And so tonight, what I want us to do is I want us to look at Scripture and see what Scripture has to say, because I have my own opinions when it comes to relationships in regard to dating and marriage, but I think it's interesting what we, what we find in Scripture. And I think that as we talk about pursuing relationships when it comes to dating and marriage, well, you and I, we need to learn how to walk. We need to learn the basics before we actually run. If we want to have a successful, healthy marriage, we can't assume that what our parents have came overnight because it didn't. It takes time. It takes development. It takes struggle. It takes the good times and the bad times. So what I want to do tonight is I want to walk with you through Scripture a few ways that we can learn to have healthy relationships. Are you guys, you guys ready to walk with me? Say, let's go if you're ready. All right, so this side's ready, this side not so much. If you have your Bibles or your phones, go and open them to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is in the New Testament, and we're going to be in chapter 5 tonight, only chapter 5. And like I said, my goal tonight is to, is to really walk with you what it means to walk into healthy relationships. Because I think what we're going to find is something that we don't really expect. And I'm not really the first pastor in history to talk to you about walking. Do you guys realize that? Like, there were pastors centuries before me talking about walking. The, the author of the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul, he wasn't necessarily a pastor, but as he wrote to this church at Ephesus, he was talking to them about walking. And so if you're taking notes on your phone or if you're writing some down, I want you to, to write down this first step that we need to do um, to have better relationships. The first one is this, that we need to walk in love. Look with me. In Ephesians 5, verse 1, we read, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering of sacrifice, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You see, when I say walk in love, I am repeating the words of Paul. And Paul was not talking about a necessarily a literally a literal path that you would walk, but he is trying to get this, this truth across to his audience that they need to live a certain way. In chapter 4, he just got done talking about ways that they should not live, and now he's telling them how they should live. And in order for us to walk in love, well, we see actually the first command before that. Do you notice in verse 1? He says, therefore, be imitators of God. Imitators. What does it mean to be an imitator of God? I mean, we've already been created in his image, right? We are image bearers of the creator of the universe. We have been given characteristics in our, our design that reflect who the Father is. So then how do we use those characteristics? How do we use those attributes is the question. Because if we're going to walk in love, we need to figure out how to walk in the one who created love. You see, God is the only 
source of real love. You guys know that? God is the only source of true love. Everything outside of that is wrapped up in lust and pride and the things of the flesh. So apart from God, we can't have love. So we need to learn how to walk in love. We need to be imitators of him. He goes on to say, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. And then he gives us the example to follow. He says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So that's the example. He gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. If you and I want to have healthy relationships, we need to learn how to walk in love the same way that Christ made the example for us. You see, Christ gave us a clear example of how to serve others. I mean, the creator of the universe, the one who is at the very first verse in the Bible, Jesus Christ, he is the one washing the feet of his servants. Those roles are backwards. Someone should have washed his, his feet, and rather, he took it upon himself to clean the filthiest part of his own followers. So I wonder if you and I have that same attitude. Do we put other people before ourselves? Do we serve others? When, when someone else gets credit for something, do we, do we encourage them and say, man, that's amazing, praise God? Or do we try to say something to steal that joy from them? Do we try to do something to put ourselves in the spotlight? Are we imitators of God and do we walk in love the same way that Christ humbly sacrificed and served the people around him? You see, I knew that Taylor was the woman for me long before that story about the American flag shotgun. You see, I knew by the way that she walked. Now, the way that she walked caught my attention, but the way that she lived caught my heart. You see, when we were in college, uh, we were part of a college life group. We were both serving in the middle school small groups, but the college life group is where we really got to know each other. And I remember one time we, we got together for a movie night, and I'm sitting in the back, and she, she does this little, like, waddle over to the light switches, and then her little power walk back to her seat on the other side of the room. And it was about this wide. And in a, the most non-creepy way that I can say it, I watched her the entire time. See, the way that she walked was so unique and just, just beautiful is what it was. See, that caught my attention. I knew that that was the girl for me. And as we started to build our relationship, and as I started to see how she actually walked in everyday life, see, that, that caught my heart. You see, the way that she physically walked caught my attention, but the person that she was, that's who I fell in love with. You see, the character that she had is the person I fell in love with. The way that she served middle schoolers, the way that she cared for other people, the way that she would humbly put others before herself. See, this is the way that she walked. This is her everyday life, and that's what Paul is trying to get across. How do you live every day? Are you imitating God or are you imitating the world? Do you walk in love or do you walk in lust? Do you walk in love or do you walk in pride? This is a question of, everyday life. Well, Paul continues, actually. And if you look down at verse 15, he says, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, the second thing that I want you guys to take note of so we need to walk in love. The second thing is that we need to walk in the Spirit. 
First, we need to walk in love. Secondly, we need to walk in the Spirit. And this is really a question about how are we fulfilled? Because every single one of us, though we may be from different parts of the world, though we might be from different backgrounds, every single one of us has, has something within us that needs to be filled. There's a hole within us that we are searching for purpose. We are searching for fulfillment. And at this time in your life, this is the most relational part of your life. You are fighting for security. You are fighting for the confidence of your peers. You are fighting for the approval of those around you. And I want to ask this question, what do you desire? What do you desire? Because what you desire is what you ultimately turn into. Not only that, whatever you fill yourself is what you end up living like. Do you notice how he says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the, with the what? What does it say? With the Spirit. Now, Paul's referring to a substance in, in which you are going to physically be altered from your ability to make sound judgment. And I completely agree with him. But you and I, when we fill our soul with things that are of temporary fulfillment, you and I are going to find the exact same problem in that our judgment is going to be altered. You see, studies would show that half the people in this room watch pornography on, on a daily basis. On a daily basis. That the average person is being introduced to pornography at the age of 11. That is before middle school. And I want you to understand that pornography doesn't just make you feel shameful and, and humiliated. It might make you feel fulfilled in the moment. But what it is doing is it is filling your soul with something that will not fulfill you. Not only that, it is setting you up for failure. Pornography is ruining so many marriages that, are, that have been together for many, many years. Not only that, I believe pornography is destroying marriages before they actually even happen. This is why. Men or women, studies will show that women watch pornography just as much as men do. That when we watch pornography, we are conditioning our mind to view people a certain way. The science would show, this isn't what scripture is saying, the science would show that you are conditioned to view other people as objects and not as people. And so what happens, you carry that mentality into your marriage, feeling like you have control of it, right? You can quit whenever you want to. You control when you tap into that pleasure but you don't. I mean, let, let's be honest. You and I both know that we don't have that control. And so what happens is we, we carry this thing that we are trying to fill ourselves with, and it's going to alter the way that we live. Scripture says, be filled with the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Fill yourself with God. You know, Paul, back in, in chapter 2, he says in verse 1, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. See, the way that you lived was a path to death because you walked in your own sin. He continues down into verse number 8, and we have these famous verses. For by grace you have been, what? Saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Amen. Not a result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, God has prepared a plan for you. He has made a way for you to walk in who he is. 
The problem is, is you and I, we take the detour every time because we find satisfaction in things that are temporary instead of finding fulfillment in what is eternal. So I challenge you to, to walk in the Spirit. You're no longer the person you once were. Wesley, what does any of this have to do with dating and marriage? That's a good question. Because, you know, Daryl asked if I would speak on dating and marriage. And, you know, I was looking. And I can't find dating anywhere in Scripture. I looked. Like, I did a bunch of Google searches. I checked uh, the Version Bible. I didn't have any reading plans for it. Like, I, I can't find dating in here anywhere. I do find marriage. And my opinion... And my strong belief is that dating isn't in here, mostly because of cultural reasons, but also because dating is one of those things that is preparing you for something. See, everything you do is preparing you for something. The way you do your homework is preparing uh, you for something. The way that you conduct yourself at practice is preparing you for something. The way that you uh, treat the women in your life is preparing you for something. And dating is no different. See, dating allows us to feel like we're testing the waters. We're getting to know somebody to see if they're, they're really the fit for us. But why do dating relationships end? Ultimately, I mean, just down to the, the basicness of it is, is there's disagreement, right? Disagree with how you talk to other people. Disagree with how you talk to that girl. Disagree with how much you don't text me. Disagreement with, I mean, the reasons can be big or small. But when it comes to marriage... See, we are called to rise above any disagreement. You see, with dating, you just got to break up, right? I mean, that's it. I mean, that's not it. I know then you got all the drama at school, and then you got to see them in the hallway, and then there's like there's this whole ordeal, which most of you guys like. I'm not going to lie either. When I was in high school, I enjoyed it too. But dating just prepares us. What does it prepare us for? It just prepares us for divorce. I mean, we're practicing being with somebody, and then not being with them when we disagree with who they are or what they think, right? And so I, I think that we don't find dating in here because we're not called to date, but rather, um, you know, for some of us, we're called to, to be married. And why is that so important? Well, it's important because marriage represents the risen king. Marriage represents the lengths at which our Savior, Jesus Christ, went for us. And you don't get that with dating. If Christ dated us, we'd be in trouble. Can I get an amen? If Christ dated us, he would have took one look at us and been like, nah, I'm good. These guys aren't loyal. These guys don't care. The people that say they follow me are a bunch of hypocrites. They want nothing to do with me. Praise God Jesus didn't try to date the church. But praise God Jesus did Make the church his bride. You see, we see Paul continue, and he starts to instruct the two parties that make up a marriage. The wives and the husbands. And I want you to see that Paul here is calling us to walk in unity. He's calling us to walk in unity. You see, in verse 22, Paul writes, Paul writes to the wives first. I think it's because women pay attention better than guys do. Women, can I get an Amen. Oh, maybe not. Oh, that's awkward. Wow, I thought I had them on that one. Maybe we start with the guys, because the guys listen more, right? Amen? Yes! This one right here. Those are my guys right there. But Paul starts with the wives for whatever reason. He says, wives, 
Verse 22 is where I'm at. Submit to your own husbands. Ask to the Lord. Submit to your own husbands. Now that word right there, that S word, that's a dangerous word in today's culture. Because, I mean, that, that puts women below men, right? I mean, how can women submit to anything? They're equal as men. They should be able to do whatever, whatever they want. And I actually agree with you. I think Scripture does too. Because Scripture isn't saying that women are any less than men. It actually says the same way. Look, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands. And look what it says after that. As to the, who? The Lord. See, that's the example. See, the same way that you and I submit to Christ's lordship. I mean, praise God, Pastor Darrell. I mean, 90% of the students in here said that they believe in Christ. They are a follower of Christ. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir right now. I mean, this is our example. The way that you and I submit to Christ's lordship over our life and have him direct and lead us is the same way that he calls wives to submit to their own husbands as the leadership of the home. He says in verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. You see, the same way that Christ leads the church, the same way that the husband is to lead the home. That's not a bad thing. That's a God thing. That is the way that God has designed it. The problem happens all the way back in the book of Genesis when, as humans, we were tricked into committing sin. And ever since then, we've been having this power struggle between men and women. It's not anything new, so I can't blame you for anything. I just want you to be aware of it. He continues in verse 25. He says, husbands, love your wives. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, I believe your task is almost greater than the wife's. I really do. What's the example he gives? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ picked up his own cross and he walked that path to his own death. Christ gave up everything so that you and I can have an eternal relationship with our creator. Christ laid aside everything that he desired for the will of the Father that you and I might be redeemed back into a relationship with him. Husbands. Men, when we become husbands, we are to serve our wives the same way that Christ serves the church, in humble sacrifice. We're to love them the way that Christ loved the church. Wes, none of us are married. I get that. But what are you preparing for? What's the life that you're living? What is the walk that you're walking? Do you walk in love or do you walk in, in lust? Are you walking in the spirit or are you finding these temporary things in life to fill a hole that only an eternal savior can fill? You see, if, if you just raise your hand earlier just because you feel like the person next, next to you did, I would plead with you, quit filling your soul with something that's not going to last. Quit trying to find fulfillment in things of this world because it's not going to work. Would you put your faith and trust in the one who gave up everything for your soul? So I want to pray for us. So as the band is coming up, I just want to challenge you guys. How are you walking? How are you walking? 
Do you walk in the Spirit through the power of Jesus Christ? Do you really want the relationships that we say that we want? And if you are, if you are, what are you preparing yourself for? Are you learning to walk in that direction, or are you headed in some other direction that is not going to lead to that healthy relationship? Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight. God, I thank you for these, these students. God, I feel, God, I feel you at work within them. God, in the midst of their, their busy lives, in the midst of their, their busy schedules, God, I believe no doubt there are those in here who wish to serve you with their, with their whole life. God, I pray that you've called many of us into marriage someday. God, that we would glorify you in all that we do, that we would be a spitting image representation of who you are in relationship to us, that our marriages and relationships in the future, God, they would bring you such glory. They would be so obvious, God, that people wouldn't help but look at us and know that something is different. So God, I pray for these students. God, as they continue in everyday life, God, don't let them be blind to their everyday habit. God, don't let them be blind to their everyday choices that, that they choose to fill their soul with. God, I choose. God, I choose to follow you, and I know that these students do as well. God, I thank you for loving us. To Jesus, my prayer. Amen.